Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's regular podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest, John Latimer, lobbyist extraordinaire and old man with 20 years now. You're celebrating your 20th anniversary, I guess, as lobbying firm. That's correct. That 20 is. years. Um, and, and I started basically as a sole practitioner and developed into a firm. So it's been 20 years lobbying as well. Uh, 30 years in total working around the Capitol. Really? It's been about 10 years as staff, uh, senior staff for the Democrats in various capacities. You know, I was before. only joking about old man. I didn't well, realize I'm you had been around that way. When I, when I started, the legislature was all older than I am, and now yeah. I feel like some, many of them are younger than I am. So <laughs> Tell me about it. Old man term? is a little strong, but... <laughs> With term limits, they probably many of them probably are younger. Yes, they so. are. I noticed... Uh, before you came, I wanted to do some due diligence. Like I'd spent a lot of time doing research. Okay, so I went to the Secretary of State's website, and I didn't see you. Always used to see you yep. or the firm. And this the is lobbyist the, database, yep. right? And I haven't. Um, there were several others I'd looked up before that yeah. ran into the same thing. So there is a disclaimer. There's some boilerplate on the Secretary of State's website saying, "Hey, the process is really slow." Have, have you seen it this slow before? Is this kind of pro forma? This is um, this seems to be a little slower than in times past. Of course, I'm not criticizing our Secretary of State or that fine operation. But at the beginning of a two-year session, um, there's a lot of movement and a lot of change. We have to re-register. All firms have to re-register all of their clients. All of the lobbyists get re-registered. <clears throat> so we are deep in that process, um, I, I think, largely have submitted all of our registrations for the clients that we knew that were continuing. So uh-huh. it, it'll populate in the near future. Uh, Secretary of State's office is actually really um, easy for us to work with, but their volume is, is extraordinarily high right now. Is it is there more volume now because we've got a new administration, a change in governors? Yeah. And is there a lot of sort of like people trying to feel out the landscape and what do we need to do client-wise? I mean, yeah. So, so it's, it's early to say ultimately that there's net more, but there's definitely, there's a lot of, at the change of an administration or start of a new administration, you do see historically a lot of movement. Yeah. A lot of uh, folks who are reassessing what they need are potentially maybe moving lobbying firms, lobbyists moving from one firm to another, people becoming registered as lobbyists for the first time, they may be leaving a prior administration. So there's a lot of movement and churn. Um, we are also experiencing and noticing an awful lot of interest and uptick from other parties who perhaps hadn't had a lobbyist before. So that is also oh. consistent, I think, with a brand new administration after eight years of, of, of Jerry Brown. I think we saw a similar things certainly when Brown took over from Schwarzenegger, yeah. et cetera. So it's not, I, it's too early to say that it's radically different. I think it's probably consistent, but we're in the midst of that. I like to call it churn right now, where things are moving. The um Upper levels of the administration have ch- the new administration are somewhat different than with Jerry Brown in, in the horseshoe. That has changed, so there are new people coming in. Uh, is building relationships with new people coming in sort of like part of the part of the strategy? Absolutely. And is that difficult or easy? Or? Absolutely, it's always it's always part of the strategy. We want to we want to. You know, lobbying business is an awful lot about relationship and understanding people and where they come from. So we always want to do that as, in terms of get up to speed as quickly as we can and develop their relationships as quickly as we can so we can hopefully be more effective for our, for our clients. But with a new administration, um, it's, you know, a lot of the folks who are coming into this administration are, frankly, people who have been around the business or been around, uh-huh. I should say the business, they've been around town and we know an awful lot of them already. Uh, this is, as I'm sure you've talked about in prior um, 
prior shows, you know, this is the first Democrat-to-Democrat transition we've had in many, many, many years, long before my time. So a lot of the folks that, that, that Governor Newsom is drawing from, you know, we may have worked with in one capacity or another. And, and juxtapose that to the Schwarzenegger transition to the Brown administration mm-hmm. truly was a whole new wholesale change. There are a lot of positions that this governor hasn't had to fill yet in department directors and deputy directors, et cetera, because they're content to let whoever is there stay on for whatever period of time yeah. su- suits them. But in terms of in the horseshoe staff, yeah, we're, we're endeavoring to where we don't have deep relationships with folks, continue to get to know them, what's important to them, what their background is. That process will continue certainly for probably the next year. Mm-hmm. Takes a year, sort of, to get through the transition and kind of get comfortable with the new. I think so. I think so. Um, everybody's different, um, and those folks are incredibly busy right out of the gate. So I'm, I'm realistic that it's not as though they have time to stop and sit down and get to know you know us or our clients right out of the gate. They have a you know a whole agenda for the governor to get moving. Mm-hmm. So that pro- it, it's a process and it does take time, and I think we have to be patient with it. Do you see um, you see more people? from D.C., more interest from D.C. coming in here. I, it, this was a trend a few years ago. We sort of didn't follow it, but a trend a few years ago was to have a um, uh, have an office for lobbying back in D.C., have a lobbyist in Sacramento. It's a big state, lots of interest out here, obviously. Are we seeing that still? Is there a movement from D.C. to have a presence here? Um, are, are, you, are you referring from the business side or, yeah. or, or a potential client uh, Actually, both. Actually, I was going to say because you know you, you we see it we see the state of California itself has an office back in D.C. lobbying the federal government as they have for a number of years because it's so actually much, kind of funny. Really, it, it, it really is in light of the current relationship and tension yeah. we have between California and the federal government. But there's so much that comes from the federal government; it's yeah, a sure. necessity. Yeah. On the other hand, you do tend to see. Um, you know, almost anyone that's going to hire a lobbyist probably has a presence in Washington, D.C., and then they figure out which at the state level where else they're going to want to be or need to be. California is clearly one of those states that is, if you're going to be anywhere in states, it's going to be California. So there is a migration of folks who have presence in D.C. who are now finding a need, that they need presence in California, and I'm sure Albany and, you know, uh, different other big states that are, that are relevant. So we see an awful lot of that. I thought you were also asking about the relevance or the, the, the trend of people, political um, types, migrating from D.C. out mm-hmm. to the states as well. We started to see that a number of years ago as well. And I think we'll see more of that as Democrats who are thrilled with the, the, the take back and the reclaim of the House, they still are seeing D.C. is largely a Republican town. And so you mm-hmm. see an awful lot of political operatives coming west to California, which is, you know, a bastion of democratic uh, politics and activism is a great opportunity for politicos to come here, um, especially as some of them may anticipate that future um, you know, national leaders are going to come from California. Mm-hmm. And certainly that's the way many people, I think, view this current governor as a potential you know, future I know, national I know. leader. Do you think uh, then looking forward after uh, 2020, 2024, does he make a move then? So, of course, as a contract lobbyist in Sacramento, I know Offend none, of, the, I know none of this for fact, of course, <laughs> other than we all were armchair analysts and, and speculators. Yeah. Um, obviously, the outcome of, of this 2020 election is, is key for him. Sure. Um, if it is a Democratic incumbent, if be it Kamala Harris or another Democrat wins in 2020 and, and takes out Trump, certainly I think Gavin Newsom would, would probably applaud that fact, but it may, it may change his calculus on when he runs for president. Mm-hmm. It seems like, it seems like it would. So I think it's going to be, from a lot of the observer perspective, it's we have to wait and see what happens in 2020, and then we'll all figure out what that means, 
not only for Gavin Newsom, but for California and for you know, other Democratic leaders in the country, what they do in 24. Does being a, a Democrat or a Republican really matter when it comes to lobbying yeah. Uh, you know, business interests or, or interests who have business before the legislature would like to. I mean, does that make a difference? Or I don't think it makes a significant difference. It probably makes a, a, a difference on the margins. Um, I think what's, um, what's most important or valuable, I think, again, I, I, coming from the Democratic ranks, is maybe a little bit better appreciation for some of the analysis and the thought process that either Democratic members or, or Democratic staff go through when you're having a conversation about a challenging yeah. policy issue. So a little bit of perspective value and benefit. But as a practical matter, you know, I think you know most, most members of the legislature are the same as most staff. They're happy to talk to anybody regardless of, of their political persuasion and they aren't asking that uh-huh. question. Um, I think it has some value, but it's less promotional value. I think it's probably operational value from the inside, mm-hmm. how we how we see and understand maybe a little bit better where folks are coming from. Do you have any uh, any uh, suggestions for big issues that we should look for coming up with Newsom? I mean, we've talked about housing. We talk a lot of talk about housing. A lot of talk yeah. about water. Yeah. Um, how do you see it as a, as a little an bit of talk about high speed rail? Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think all of those. I think the 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 fascinating as an observer, as someone who's you know, worked in, the, in, this, in this profession for a number of years and now dealt with a number of different governors. Um, back to Jerry Brown for a moment. You know, Jerry Brown, I think one of the many things that we could admire about him was the discipline mm-hmm. of controlling the issue set, this being in Brown part two, you know, second mm-hmm. time around. So he had a fairly narrow issue set that he managed pretty tightly with a core group of senior people led by Nancy McFadden, really incredibly talented folks, but it was a fairly tight group. And the issue set was fairly well controlled. And the legislature and interest groups and many of my clients, et cetera, we were all trying to, how do we push into that? And how do we expand that issue set? And the governor did, you know, he would respond to the legislature. He would respond to certain things. But for the most part, he kept a fairly tight grip on things. Um, governor Newsom seems to be, again, I think intellectually interested in so many different things. He's got a lot of sort of pent-up demand from a number of different sectors, uh, be they Democratic constituency groups or just public policy issues that have been waiting. Um, By design and his own interest, it feels like it's going to be a broader discussion than it's been in years past. Um, I don't think we know at all yet the the range of, uh, of issues. Uh, we were talking earlier today, you know, our, the, the bill introduction just finished. Bill introduction deadline was Friday. We're still, like all the lobbying firms, culling through them. You know, we're over 2,500, and we're at the highest number that we've been um, since we've been keeping track of this in the last... Uh, you mean numbers of lobbyists? Numbers of bills number introduced of bills. Okay. in the first year of a two-year session. So that, you know, is telling us, again, people are seeing a brand-new governor, new change of administration, good economic times in terms of the budget, by and large, although there's certainly warnings ahead about the economy. But people are viewing this as, hey, we're going to be able to have broader conversations. They're going to be a bigger agenda. So whether that is driven by the governor alone or other outside groups who are saying, hey, now the time is now to address our issue, uh-huh. I think the you know, high-speed rail, water project, um, a uh, number of the things that you mentioned all will be part of the agenda, but I also think it's going to be much broader than that. Um, Has there been any, uh, I mean, is the partisan breakdown in legislation that you see this time, is it similar to what, what it was before, or is it much more heavily Democratic, I mean, left of center Democrat, seeing that we have a different governor than, than yeah, Brown? I, I, yeah, this is early, but I would say, and I haven't done the math on it, but it feels more left of center um, mm-hmm. Democratic 
um, inspired, mm -hmm. Democratic constituency group inspired, if you will. Um, and that's not surprising. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, with with the record number of, of uh, Democratic office holders that we have, yeah. with the Democratic turnout, with the size of Gavin Newsom's victory, with the continued tension between the federal government in California and Donald Trump yeah. in California, that California would continue to want to be a place of Activism is not surprising. Um, it's certainly not surprising to our clients. They're sort of gearing up for that reality. How much of it is ideas versus potential change that California is going to go through? We have lots of ideas, and then we, over time, through the legislative process, it gets narrowed down to these are the changes that we're going to make in, in whatever policy area or policy areas. Too early to say where those changes are going to be, but they're going to be. It feels like they're going to be significant this year. Um, away from government for just a second, do you? In your the clients you represent that have business interests, they're actually out there working in the real world. Do they face risks, business risks, with the Trump administration? We know California in terms of funding does, but I'm wondering about companies that do business with, say, China. Yeah. Uh, are they? Do they have this? The, has a tariff issue come up, for example, among your clients? Are there other issues? Yeah. That come oh, up? I mean, tariff issues certainly have. Um, I was going to take so, so the, the, the short answer is yes. There's great both for for a lot of uh, businesses. There is um, you know some um, potentially some upside to a Republican, not a Trump administration, but a Republican administration in Washington D.C. That may mean a different view of the regulatory environment that may be better for them. Unfortunately for them, as soon as that things start to get better from a D.C. standpoint, and we've had a number of issue areas where the Trump administration is having a policy direction about rolling back some regulations, and California and other progressive states want to step in and say, well, we want to, we want to pick that mantle up that the federal yeah. government is walking back from, and we're going to pursue it even farther and more aggressively at the state level. So for every give, there's a get, or there's a push and a pull. Mm -hmm. um, and so people are, you know, stuck a little bit between, well, the federal government wants to move in one direction or another. That may not just be an opportunity, it may also be a risk. And that risk may be, are you appearing as a business entity aligning with the Trump administration? That'll make the, a given business sector wildly unpopular in a place like California and I'm sure other progressive states. Um, that being said, these are um, issues that a lot of times you know, businesses can't ignore the, the discussion around automobile standards is a classic one. We don't work in the automobile sector anymore. It did for a number of years. But as the Trump administration is looking to roll some of their, their guidelines back, the state of California is continuing to aggressively pursue, you know, their guidelines. So it, it again, is a push-pull. The um, effort you have to do, you have to put into to lobbying in, in Sacramento, mm -hmm. uh, is that more, greater, less, the same as would be required if you had a Washington office. I just envision D.C. as being just one giant lobbying uh, challenge uh, uh, and too big to really know, uh, yeah. have the personal relationships I think you need. Right. I do think what you find in, in Washington, D.C., and we have uh, quite a number of relationships and folks that we know that do business back there, um, they tend to be narrower. They may be specializing in the appropriations process. Uh -huh. They may be specializing in a one given policy area. They may, they may work... Senate issues, they may work, just the administration. 
that may be a defense issue. Um, whereas here in California, we're, many of the firms, ours included, are full service where we'll talk to 120 members of the legislature and everybody in the administration. Yeah. And we'll, we won't just be bound by appropriations work, et cetera, because it, it's manageable from a number standpoint. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's impossible to be able to do everything that we do in Sacramento in Washington, D.C. Is it harder to contact people in D.C. than here? Uh, I think once you establish the narrower orbits, uh, in other words, if you're just working in the appropriations process, those lobbyists seem to be fairly well wired into that appropriations process, key members, key staff, uh, et cetera. Um, Here, the one great thing, and this is true of being a staffer, being a lobbyist, I think even being a member, I've had... You know, all everybody say this. The great thing about California is you can really get you can really touch it. You can get your hands you know involved in it. You can um, know the people, the decision yeah. makers, the closeness. That to can the be good process. and bad. Right? That could be good and bad. But I think in terms of being able to feel a connection to yeah. it, it's less impersonal than perhaps DC is. Has there been well, a change of that? Oh, go ahead, Tim. I was going to say. So you talking about lobbying process. What's changed in twenty years? I mean, there have to have been some significant changes in the time that you've been doing this professionally? Yeah, I, I think the biggest change, the, the entire time I've been lobbying, term limits has been in effect in California. I, term limits passed when I was still a staffer in the in the building. So I saw a brief period of time without term limits. Uh, then the term limits have passed that I was, and many of us were working under until just recently. Um, that had those short time, time frames, remember six years in the Assembly, eight in the Senate, it created this constant churn. And the constant churn meant, you know, not only were members going to leave, but they probably were going to get two or three different assignments during the period of time they might be, say, in the six years in the state assembly. So they might, you know, work their way up to being a committee chair in year three and have to give it up in year five as they were running for the Senate or for something else. So the churn was a big part of a dynamic that made it very hard. It made, it made it hard to for those members to become experts. It made it hard because they're always facing the pressure of where they're going to run to next. So so the 12-year, the recent revision to term limits mean 12 years in either house if one wants to. 12 years total, down from a net of 14 to, to 12, but can all be served in one house. That is starting to, and I would say starting still because it's fairly recent, create a stability that is allowing um, both you know, the legislators themselves to become experts, the staff to have some stability knowing who their chair is or going to be for the foreseeable future. Um, we may have a situation where Jim Wood, who's the current assembly health chair, he may be health chair for 10 years. Um, that allows him to develop, he already comes from a background in healthcare, but you can develop a vast, <laughs> the significant expanse or set of knowledge when you have that kind of time to develop it. So that change is starting to be felt, and it will only be felt more in the coming years. That's significant, I think, hmm. uh, in terms of, of, of how things have changed just in the last six to eight years. You know, when, uh, when term limits was um, first uh, approved, there were stories, I, I remember several columnists writing about well, if there's going to be a quick turnover in legislators, that means that the lobbying community, the lobbyists will have a proportionally greater influence because they'll have, over time, they'll have greater experience, more experience, know the issues better than people coming in and then leaving quickly. Is that played out like that? Is that I don't think so. Is that lobbyist thinking? Or, yeah, I, I think you know. that's, that's probably anti-lobbyist thinking, to be <laughs> honest. I, I don't think that's really played out. Okay. I, I think staff has become, especially senior staff, more important uh-huh. because they're a more trusted source, frankly, than the lobbyists are for, for legislators making decisions. So it's not been, I think, as, I, I wouldn't say that we've been 
um, elevated in any way, shape, or form. I think, if anything, again, because of the relationship churn, it, we have to work harder to get to know folks mm-hmm. to become to yeah. a point where there's a trust factor. Mm-hmm. In the short term, the staff probably have more credibility and probably grown more mm-hmm. influential. Uh, when we, you mentioned 2,500, those are the bills that were introduced. Mm-hmm. Do you have any notion, any estimate where the lobbying, the strength is now? How, how big of a lobbying community do we have now? Any you know, yeah, honestly, I don't know. Um, it, it, it's what we probably, from my, from my vantage point, what I'm probably paying closer attention to are the friends that I've lobbied with for many years who are now retiring. Uh-huh. Um, and that's not, it's just, you know, that's more evident than new people coming in. Sure. So okay. this, this last year, it also happens when you, when you have a new administration come in. I think a number of folks have, have gone into retirement, hung it up. Yeah. And so there is a, definitely a new crop of lobbyists coming in. It's hard to say whether that's swelling the ranks yeah. in total or if that shift is a you know, is uh, a net zero. I don't know. Okay. So now you, this is the uh, 20th anniversary. Are you having a big party? <laughs> no. Well, this all started, to be quite honest, uh, some really smart folks on our team uh, started talking about actually relaunching our brand and some logo and some internal things that we do on our website. And, and it was an aha moment. We're actually at 20 years. Um, we hadn't been, it hadn't been circled on the calendar. We hadn't been thinking about it for a long time. So then because of that, we decided, you know what, we should actually be talking about these two things together in concert. We're going to relaunch our logo and our brand a little bit. And by the way, it's been 20 years since we've been doing this, um, which is fantastic. We have a handful of clients that, that have been with us for 20, the full 20 years and many of them wow. for 15 years. And um, so it's, so we started as a small firm and we've grown. Uh, consistent growth has kind of been our MO and um really fortunate where things have have gone and grown to um and we just keep trying to surround ourselves with good people get good clients and do good work well we'll fix that okay (laughs) thank you very much the capital weekly podcast is supported by tassin the tribal alliance of sovereign indian nations thanks for your time